Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. Hey everybody, welcome you in once again. It's name, David Summers hosting another studcast with the, the Tennessee stud, stud Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America as told by the stud whose family started the profession 100 years ago. Now we step back into the ring, back into time, into the Great Smoky Mountains. That's where we'll find the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller. What's going on, my man, Ron? No, just enjoying him, my man. Uh, Smoky Mountains is a great place. Uh, getting more accustomed to it every day. Uh, just uh, beauty is it's never ending, man. Man, uh, I, this has to be the perfect time of year to be in the Smoky Mountains. Of course, the colors uh, the colors are one thing, and they're probably more prevalent in the fall, but the temperature's got to be really nice about now. Oh, yeah, man. It's it's really good. Uh, compared to living down there in that Tampa area, you've got all that heat and humidity. Uh-huh. Uh, the other day, man, we had a 50-degree we had a, uh, a day. Wow. You know? So, I mean, you get that, uh, you, you sometimes get that 80-degree day, and then it yeah. drops to 50. Okay, so, so you uh, so it was 50 during the daytime? Uh, yes, 50 wow. during the daytime, okay. part okay. of the day, ah. 50 and 60. Yeah, it's going to be 80, 85 here in southeast Alabama today. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I talk to my brother a lot. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and he's always, Ron, it's 94 today. He's sweating it down there, Ron. <laughs> wow. You know. So, and then I tell him what I got, and yeah. he goes, oh, jeez, man. Yeah, he yeah. He's he's probably saying, I'm, I'm coming to visit. I'm coming to stay a while. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'd probably be getting into it if he came to stay for very long. Days. You you would throw him in the creek. I know you yeah, would. Yeah, me yeah. might toss him in the creek back here. Yeah, no grip. All right, Ron. I tell you what, in my humble opinion, today's studcast title, North NWA World Title, South Four Shows. That's the title. It can be explained in only two words big time. That's exactly what Southeastern Wrestling was becoming in May of 1978 you had to be really proud of what was happening in your wrestling company ryan so that's that's really to be as new as you were getting into it that had to be pretty big time for you as a young man oh wow you know i was only 30 years old 1978 you know and uh at that point i had two different territories 500 miles apart uh, and I don't think that that had ever been done maybe by any promoters anywhere where they had two territories and they, they split them. Uh, and Southeastern Knoxville uh, on this particular stud cast is going to be hosting the NWA World Championship with Harley Race. Uh, four championship matches in all on that card in the Southeastern Gulf Coast down south 
has also has a magic number of four as well, man, for the first time in the nine weeks that we had been running and operating there and presenting matches. We're going to run four different cities in this week. Uh, so it's going to get an example, uh, basically, of what's to come there. Hmm. All right. And as I remember from the last studcast, Southeastern Knoxville had Don Curtis coming to town for the TV show to announce who was going to be facing Harley Race only six days later on the first Knoxville Friday night card of 1978. Southeastern Gulf Coast had just worked its first major angle on TV, and you didn't even have enough time to tell us the results of the matches in Dothan six days later. You, your memory is 100% correct, Dave. That's exactly what happened. And, uh, <laughs> and wow, we ran out of time because, geez, we're just covering so much ground with having two territories. It's pretty hard to, to get it all done in an hour's time, just uh, breaking it down into one week at a time. So all of that and a whole lot more, man, is going to be uh, discussed in this episode. Uh, so much was happening at that time, man. I was having a lot of trouble keeping up with business. Uh, <laughs> it was like, wow, you know, I'd be in the south and I'd be handling stuff in the north. And then when I was in the north, I'm getting stuff from the south. <laughs> it was really crazy. It's kind of like today, man, and keeping up with the YouTube channel I got. Yeah. And the classic ContinentalWrestling.com streaming channel. Hey, by the way, how's that going, stud? Well, you know, after after this stud cast is being released, uh, there should be several more hours of programming available on there. Uh, we're putting on all the time, but we're putting on a big load of them uh, after this stud cast. We're going to be uh, uh, making sure that they get out there. And the superstars of the past, number two, about Martin Farmer Burns, man, who is my choice for wrestler of the last decade uh, of professional wrestling before the 20th century. Wow, what a tremendous wrestler he was and what an impact he has on the sport on into the 20th century. And uh, so that one is out there. And this is going to be really unique, man, the way we're doing these now. They're, it's an audio-visual journey, man. And uh, so we're going back into the late 1800s. And uh, every time I bring up a wrestler's name, uh, they're going to throw slides up. <laughs> so you're going to see what these guys look like. And, uh, you know, and the slides are, uh, gosh, there, there's a lot of subjects that's going to all be covered. Hmm. Uh, in, in fact, uh, I'm not seeing any more. Uh, it's pretty much all now a visual, these programs. So many more stud stories are going up now out on the, uh, on the streaming channel. And there's also uh, a lot of new continental TV shows that have not been on there yet that are going up too in the next day or so. So fans out there, if, uh, if you've already uh, uh, subscribed and you're already watching the Classic Continental Wrestling on the streaming channel, uh, you know how much stuff is on there. Wow, it's pretty amazing. And uh, and I can tell you now, there's going to be a lot more of it on in the next couple of days. Uh, and I really believe, Dave, it's someday going to be the best old school streaming channel on the planet, man. Wow. Hey, I can't, uh, I wouldn't argue that. So uh, to me, I mean, I, I think that's just obviously what it is. So where do we ride today, stud? Well, Southeastern Knoxville, man, has an NWA world title match in this stud cast. And we're going to be talking about that card, obviously, and three other championship matches on that card. Uh, we're going to get that day, fans will get the debut of Bob Root. And they are also on the same card going to get to see Sylvester Ritter 
who is the Mid-South Junkyard Dog, who actually broke in kind of in Knoxville, and we sent him on to, to uh, Hill Watson Mid-South over there. He's going to come back, spend a couple of weeks. He wants to come and spend a couple of weeks in the Smokies, man. So, uh, gosh, obviously I bring him in. Uh, so he's on this card. Uh, and uh, we're going to discuss the Fantastic TV promotes this big world championship card. And uh, this starts the first week of May, uh, TV ratings month. So <laughs> you know kind of where TV is going to be going on this. One. <laughs> yeah. So And then, then we're going to reveal the results of this card, the world championship card, the attendance. And, uh, and another championship, this is another one of those championship uh, raised price events, man, that it's going to uh, crank some pretty big volume, too, and uh, uh, pretty big uh, 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 potential profits on the, on the afternoon and the night. This is actually going to be on the first Friday night that we run in 1978. All right. Then we're going to ride south into the southeastern Gulf Coast territory, man. We're going to clean up what we didn't get to last episode, <laughs> you know, which was the results, obviously, of the Dothan car of April 28, 1978. We talked about the TV, but we didn't have enough time to, to tell people about what happened on that card. We'll also reveal in this one, because this is, this is going to load in one again, we're going to cover another Friday night card. The one of May the 5th, the same night that we're getting that world championship in Knoxville, we're going to be having a big card in Dothan, Alabama. So uh, all that's taking place at the same time. We're going to discuss, obviously, the TV that promotes the Dothan event and the results of the event, the attendances for both of the Friday night cards. Uh, and then we're going to briefly talk about the other three cities that we're running that week. First time ever in that territory. There's going to be four towns running in one week. So if we can cover all that today, man, <laughs> and have any time left, I'll answer another learning tree question. Uh, that sounds hopeful, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when, I, when, I, when I think about what we're about to get into here, yeah, I am hopeful. I'm yeah. hopeful we'll get there. Yeah. All right. I thought you would be. All right. So really, this could be one of the busiest studcasts that we've ever done, Ron. So why don't we start it? With that big NWA world title card in Knoxville, May 5th, 1978. Right. The opening match for this one, man, is starts out with two legends of the sport against each other in the very first match. Ron Wright against Dick Steinborn. I mean, uh, gosh, uh, Ron Wright's a, <laughs> a legend in that part of the country for sure. Dick Steinborn's a legend throughout the country and across the country. So uh, opens up with a great opening match. Rip Smith in the second is going to be facing off with a future Hall of Famer that was returning just for a little two-week stay. Sylvester Ritter was his actual name, but he was known uh, in Knoxville as Sylvester Ritter. But out in Mississippi, all the way into Oklahoma, he was the junkyard dog, man. He was the man for Mid-South Wrestling. Uh, so he's going to be on this card, and he's going to hang out and stay with us for a couple of weeks. Uh, Tony Charles uh, is going to be wrestling a newcomer, a great heel from the Florida Territory. But when he comes to southeastern Knoxville, because we're short of baby faces, he's going to get to his first opportunity to be a baby face in his, in his entire career, and I'm talking about Bob Ruth. And then the great Malenko, you know, he – he might not have been given the green light for a Russian chain match yet, but he's going to get one that's similar to it. 
He's in the Southern Brass Nooks Championship match against Bearcat Brown. And uh, he's going to, you know, Bearcat's going to be his Southeastern debut, and he's putting up his Brass Nooks title against Boris Malenko. Wow. Then there's a Southeastern tag belts. They're on the line again. And this time, the champions, Condry and Phil Hickerson, presented by Ron Wright, they're going to be defending against two Welch cousins, my brother Robert and my cousin Jimmy Gold. So because of who's involved in the last two title matches and the fact that Don Curtis was going to be on the TV that we're going to be discussing next in just a minute, naming the man who's going to face Harley Race, I'm going to, I'm going to wait <laughs> they did, until the TV in this studcast to give everybody who these last two championship matches involved. Well, I am shocked by that, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> you always keep us waiting for big news, stud. I think you enjoy the mystery of it all. I think that's the whole key to you. So this time, however, it is going to be short-lived because I'm sure the Knoxville TV show of April 29th of 78 is going to be the next thing that we talk about. Well, you're right. All right. So we're going to get to it pretty quick, those two championship matches. So it's early as, uh, you know, that's that's what's going to be uh, coming up. And it was located, uh, you know, this was actually a loaded man with important information, especially for the man of the hour, man, uh, Don Curtis. And uh, Don Curtis uh, opened the show with Les Thatcher sitting at the set. He got a huge round of applause from the studio audience. He'd been sending in a lot of promos. Uh, he has a very, <laughs> very negative opinion of heels, and uh, and, it, and it pretty much shows <laughs> in a lot of his decisions about what he's going to happen with Southeastern. So uh, he gets a huge round of applause when Les introduces it, and he gets right to the point in this one. And he asked the director to replay the video, hmm. the one that we played in the last uh, cast where the NWA champion uh, did the personality profile. And uh, so, again, Harley made everyone at Southeastern aware of, in this video, of that rarely known NWA rule that a masked man could never be NWA world champion. <laughs> so, and, you know, just to remind Ray, you know, everybody kind of what Harley said, he says, uh, you know, Ron Fuller, who had held him to a one-hour draw a year earlier, probably deserved the title shot, uh -huh. but Fuller was nowhere to be found. <laughs> You know, there's only a masked man around there calling himself the Tennessee stud. And he says, I assume that guy's representing Ron Fuller. Mm -hmm. You know, he says he looks just like him. He's got to be, you know, so yeah. so that he's going to be glad to wrestle. But he said he would be happy to wrestle the masked Tennessee stud for the title. Uh, but if the stud won, <laughs> he was never going to be able to wear the belt or represent the NWA. So we asked uh, who's going to get the shot. Right. You no, know, basically, he finishes <laughs> up by throwing it to Don Curtis. Who's going to get the shot? Right. Mm -hmm. So, so what did Don Curtis have to say? Well, he told Les, man, that he had put a lot of thought into who best deserved this upcoming NWA World Title shot, and that he had already informed the NWA World Champion Harley Race of his decision three days before this Saturday when he's doing the show, so that Harley knew he was going to be wrestling. And that he had decided that the man who should wrestle race had not been here in Southeastern in more than six months since losing a very questionable match involving three people more than just his opponent in a loser leave Southeastern match. 
that he had always felt uncomfortable. And uh, Don Curtis was a really honest dude. You know, he said he had always felt uncomfortable with his decision to ban a wrestler from Southeastern when there was so much outside interference involved and so much at stake, uh, especially as in the loser-leave match, you know, if this guy lost. So he continued, you know, uh, by saying, you know, when you consider how close this wrestler has come to winning the NWA world title mm-hmm. and being the opponent of the NWA champion last week, uh, he admitted he at least wanted to meet again uh, for the belt. Mm. So it was a really pretty simple decision, he said. So he invited out the Tennessee stud, who had not been seen in person on the Southeastern Knoxville TV in more than two months. Ah. Because I'm down there in Florida, man. I'm down there in Pensacola and Dothan. Yep. And, uh, yep. you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm doing TVs, but it's not Knoxville TVs. So the stud actually got a bigger welcome than Curtis did. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. So Don Curtis got up from the desk with Les and he shook the stud's hand and he welcomed him and apologized for his decision to ban him from Southeastern Wrestling for a year as a result of the Loser Leaves match on October 28, 1977 when the stud lost to the Mongolian Stomper. He said, uh, you've served uh, more than six months of that ban with dignity. And he says, I'm happy now to release you from the last six months of that Loser Leaves ban. And you will now be allowed to meet the NWA world champion Harley Race next Friday night on behalf of Southeastern Wrestling. Well, the studio fans, man, they were already pretty excited about uh, seeing me out there. And by that point, they were they were pretty much going crazy. But hmm. they they got got up on their feet, and about that same time, Don Curtis he reached up and he he took the mask off the Tennessee stud, and he said, uh, "Welcome back, Ron. Wow, and good luck next Friday night." Wow, man, that is a start to a TV show right there. So I can almost hear them cheering at homes across the southeast, across the that part of Tennessee. So how do you follow that, Ron? Well, with a fantastic May ratings book, TV show, man, uh, you got to. Um, it's TV time, it's rating time, and uh, wow, you got to crank it. So a championship match is in this one, man, going to open it up, and the championship match is going to close it, and the middle of it's going to be with the world, world w, the NWA world champion and his opponent uh, in the personality profile. So the last two matches for the Friday night card that I didn't give you earlier, I'm going to get to that now, Dave. Uh, they were the biggest title matches on that card, obviously. Uh, one of those was the Southeastern title with the champion, Mongolian Stopper, managed by Gorgeous George Jr., uh, defending his title for the first time ever against Ronnie Garvin. And the main event wow. was now decided to this point. Harley Race would now be defending his NWA world title versus Ron Fuller. All right, that's a great, that's really a great card, Ron. So who was in the first TV championship match? Well, it was kind of a very unusual Brass Nucks championship match with Bearcat Brown defending against uh, Don Lambert, who had been on quite a few TVs, big guy, over 300 pounds. Uh, Bearcat Brown was kind of a star from the western side of the state uh, and the Brass Nucks champion. Uh, it was his first appearance in Southeastern. People really didn't know much about him, but uh, they're going to find out that this guy can get it done. So Bearcat, uh, you know, uh, he took care of business, and uh, each wrestler had his fist tape, and uh, 
with these type of matches, anything went. He could do anything. Uh, everything was legal. Didn't matter what it was. Uh, so, you know, so of all people, somebody comes to join less at the set for the match. And uh, you can imagine who who would like to be in a brass knucks match, man. It's pretty close to what he's screaming he wants all the time. Boris Malenko shows up at the set with Les. And uh, he watches the match. Uh, actually, he's going to wrestle this guy the next Friday night for his Brass Nugs championship. And he starts out by making fun of Bearcat, Bearcat Brown. Uh, you know, he says, look, he's, he's just got his fist tape. He goes, you know, and he was saying uh, he was saying only uh, only here could he still be getting a, you know, he needs to be getting a, a chain match, you know. Uh, and he liked the one I need to be getting with Ronnie Garvin. So he kept bringing up Garvin in the chain match. So he said he might as well pick up the Southern Brass Nucks championship, though. He says, uh, you know, this guy's in town. He's willing to defend his championship. He says, I'm used to going a lot further than he's willing to go, I think. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a piece of cake, basically, for him. So Bearcat won the match uh, after the opening of a pretty small cut on the Lambrick side. You know, uh, because uh, it doesn't take much when you take fists for them to to be able to cut you pretty darn easily. And uh, so Bearcat won the match, man, and he, uh, you know, he got that little cut over his, over Lambrick's eye. And uh, Malenko laughed about it. You know, he, he's saying uh, to Les, he says, when, when, the guy, when the eye started bleeding, he says to Les, uh, you know, my chain would have knocked that guy's eye out. <laughs> So they both interviewed after the match, uh, <laughs> both of those guys, uh, Bars, and at the set, and uh, and actually Bearcat uh, in Studio B, and then the next match, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden, boy, they rocked the studio, man, uh, in the second match, which they won, and they interviewed at the set, and the champions, uh, and Ron Wright from Studio B, were in that studio. And it was Rob and Jimmy's first title match with the Condry and Hickerson team. Uh, and it's going to be a great match, I can tell you that. So uh, so I was with Les for the personality profile. Uh, we watched the interview from Harley Race, not the one that opened the show from the week before, another one that had been sent two days earlier by Harley Race. And Harley knew who he was going to be wrestling. And uh, he, he yelled about how... He couldn't imagine a commissioner of a wrestling company allowing a wrestler who lost a lose-or-leave match to not leave and then allow him to put a mask on to hide his identity. You know, he said, it's just ridiculous. And he said that, that Ron Fuller was one of the first wrestlers he defended his belt against in 1973. And he reminded, uh, I guess, me, because I'm sure he knew I was there watching, which I was. And uh, he said, and it was an easy victory in 1973. But then he said, you know, he had not wrestled me since. And, and until four years later, and which was last year, and he said, uh, I have to admit, Ron Fuller was a much improved wrestler. <laughs> he wasn't easy, basically. And he says, I was not who he would have chosen to meet, especially since I'd been born in Tennessee. Uh, I'll be wrestling in my hometown arena in front of the one of the loudest crowds he said he had ever heard anywhere in the world. He said, those crazy Tennesseans might feel that Coliseum to overflowing again, like they did last year. But he said, it wouldn't make any difference. 
because he was the baddest man on God's green earth. <laughs> and he was ready to prove it next Friday night. You bet. Wow. So wow. I kept it short and sweet. I thank Don Curtis for allowing me to remove my mask, uh, for allowing me the opportunity to meet the NWA champion again, uh, for my chance to make my family the most famous in wrestling all over the world with one huge win next Friday night. And for the thousands of fans who had set the all-time record crowd last year in the Coliseum, we tore the roof off the Coliseum for an entire hour. Uh, and for the opportunity to give them uh, what so many, so few fans in the world ever got to see, the change of a world championship right there in their city. I said, there's no bigger event in sport, no bigger moment in a wrestler's life or in the fan's life. And uh, next Friday night, I'm going to leave the Knoxville Coliseum with the 10 pounds of gold. Wow. <laughs> I kind of unsnapped my lapel microphone. I handed it to Liz, and, uh, and I turned instead of going into the studio. I disappeared in the darkness of the unlit Studio B. Uh, and wow, that crowd roared, man. They were ready. Hmm. I was ready. Well, okay, so they haven't seen you in a while, and then you kind of walk away in the darkness, so the mystery is still there, that air about you, even though you had taken the mask off. I mean, so that's, I mean, that was really kind of setting the scene. How did, how did you end the TV show? Well, Rip Smith, uh, who was a great young wrestler, man, uh, he got himself a rare TV win. He didn't have many opportunities. He had such great talent there to get on TV. And then he did an interview from the set with Les. And his opponent, the future Hall of Famer, Sylvester Ritter, the junkyard dog, uh, he was there. And uh, he did an, an interview uh, from Studio B. And wow, was junkyard dog improved on his interviews he was a much improved wrestler uh mm. kind of like i had done in the, in the case of russell harley in 73 and then not doing it again till 77 uh junkyard dog had really improved and their match that night friday night rip smith and the junkyard dog was a classic mm-hmm. uh, ronnie garvin opened the last segment with a video at the set with les and it, this was after the match with Stomper. Uh, and with the help of gorgeous George Jr., uh, Stomper had won the Southeastern belt from Robert Fuller. Ronnie Garvin was seconding Robert. And uh, Garvin had been in Rob's corner. But after seeing what happened, he was too late to save Rob from losing the belt. But he wasn't too late to catch Gigi, who was trying to run to the dressing room. And he piled him on the concrete floor of the Coliseum and piled driving. Wow, it was wicked looking. And uh, Gigi had to be carried to the dressing room after it was over. So the Mongolian Stomper defended his Southeastern belt against another legend in the last match, uh, Dick Steinborn. And uh, Stomper got a big win over on TV over a quality opponent. Uh, beating Dick Steinborn is no easy feat. Stomper took, took care of the job. And he and Gorgeous George Jr. went to the set. Garvin did the last interview from Studio B. Uh, Garvin made in his interview another promise to Gigi, which he had made the week before that, I'm going to hurt you, Gigi. And he did. I'll drive him. They had to carry him to the dressing room. But he made him another promise. He said, uh, you know, and Gigi was wearing a neck brace in this show. <laughs> I mean, his neck was still bad. 
He promised Gigi that if he got involved in the match the following Friday night, that he was going to end his managing career. Wow. Okay, so that's that's a really great TV show for the first week in the May rating book. So what what happens at the Coliseum Friday, May 5th of 78? Well, Dick Steinborn won against Ron Wright. Uh, Rip Smith and Sylvester Ritter, the junkyard dog, wrestled to a 20-minute time limit draw. Great match. Really, really great match uh, because the dog – the junkyard dog was a baby face too. And, uh, so Bob Roop, then, who was a former Olympic champion, won over Tony Charles, one of Tony Charles' rare defeats. Said a lot for Bob Roop's ability. Uh, then Malenko won the Brass Knucks title from Bearcat Brown, just like he said he was probably going to do. Uh, the Southeastern tag belts were held up in the championship match between uh, Condrian Hickerson and Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden. And uh, there would be a return match the following week for those belts. Uh, Ronnie Garvin was disqualified in the Southeastern title match with the Mongolian Stomper because he basically went crazy and tore the neck brace off of George, George, George Jr. Uh, after the match was, after he was disqualified, he managed to get rid of the Stomper. He got his hands on Gorgeous George. He ripped his neck brace off. He jumped off the top rope in his throat, and then he pile-drived him again. So uh, Gigi was carried from the ring and uh, for the second week in a row, and he would not return to Southeastern Wrestling for a long time after this, and he's never going to manage a Mongolian stomper again. After. So Harley Race and I wrestled to the second straight one-hour draw in just over a year, hmm. almost uh, with two one-hour draws within one year's time and this one was i think even more exciting to the fans than the last one uh, and if harley thought the crowd was loud in the first one he must have really thought they were uh, unbearable in this one and, uh, you know harley had to be carried from the ring at the end of this one wow uh, we got into it after it was over and uh, i was able to pile drive him uh and uh wow once they sacked him up on the stretcher and they carried him out that might have been the biggest roar of the night. That <laughs> crowd all stayed when it was over. Yeah. Uh, and, and watched an entire hour match for the second year in a row. Wow. All right. Had to be a big night. What was attendance like? Well, the setup for the building was exactly the same as the year before. We maxed out the seating the year before. And they wouldn't allow me or anybody else to add a single seat to that manifest it was called when I mean, you looked at the, the floor and the, the seating arrangement it's called a manifest and they showed that to me i said can we put some here put something you can't put anything anywhere ron <laughs> and the, that they won't allow any more people in the building than this so the front row of ringside was filled the 20 dollars per ticket uh but the remaining ringside was just a little bit less than it had been the year before it was like seven dollars each and all the other seats in the building were a dollar more than usual. So the attendance uh, for this one, Dave, was only 50 fans short of that all-time record-breaking crowd from the year before. So the gross house was down a little less than $3,000 from what it had been the year before. Hmm. So it, uh, it, it, it sounded, I'll tell you, in the building, though, it sounded even bigger than the year before. When wow. you got... 
big, huge sellouts like that, you can't go out there and say, well, this one is bigger than that one. Right. But, uh, wow, the sound was bigger. I mean, the fans were even more into it than they had been the year before. I can imagine. All right. So another one over the 6,000 figure. That's a, it's a, hey, that's pretty awesome. All right. But this is a good place for a break. Let's do that. And while we're getting ready for the break, you need to know ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. It's the best old school wrestling site on the planet. They're streaming everything that you see on YouTube, Southeastern Rewind, and so much more. You got to check it out. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll come right back. This studcast will continue in a moment right here. Have you visited the ClassicContinentalWrestling.com streaming channel? Ron is doing some things that he's never done before, making wonderful audio-visual stories of professional wrestlers that will eventually lead to his first book about wrestling, The Real History of Professional Wrestling. These audio-visual stories are on ClassicContinentalWrestling.com, the streaming channel. Subscribe now. Only $4.99 per month or $39.99 per year gets you the best old-school wrestling content on the planet all right welcome back once again david summers with the tennessee stud it's another stud cast all right so much going on and so much packed into this stud cast where do we ride to next stud we're going to be riding south man 500 miles in the southeastern gulf coast that territory down there we're going to begin uh with the dothan card on april 28 1978 we talked about the TV to promote the card and the big angle that was on that TV between Rip Tyler and Billy Spears in last week's stud cast. So we're going to be finishing up uh, with what we didn't get to last week, which is mainly the results of that April 28, 1978 card. Uh, we're going to refresh everybody's memory, man, uh, if I can, of the card and to give the results of the matches as we go, because for the first time, we have a second Friday night card to get to in this deck. <laughs> so we're loaded up, man, as usual. So on the Dothan card of April 28, 1978, the first match was the Mass Pro, Tarzan Baxter versus Eddie Sullivan, and the Pro won. So not only will I give you who the match was, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what the results were because we've already discussed the TV at that big angle, the really bloody angle where uh, – uh, where uh, basically Billy Spears took over uh, <laughs> Rip Tyler's assassin team. So in the second match on April the 28th, 78, Mike Stallings and Eddie Mansfield, there was a 20-minute time limit draw. Third match was Charlie Cook versus David Schultz. And uh, wow, this was a really wild one, man. Both men got disqualified. And after they got disqualified, they fought all over that farm center, man. And they're going to be wrestling each other again the next week. This time, though, it's going to be with lumberjack rules, which means wrestlers are going to be surrounding the ring to try to keep them inside. So fourth match was a return match that came from the finals of the Gulf Coast Tag Tournament the week before. It was Ricky Gibson and Robert Gibson who had won the finals of the Gulf Coast Tag Tournament from the Assassins and were the new Gulf Coast Tag Champions. Uh, the Assassins were managed in this one by Rip Tyler, uh, but he cost his team a victory in this match of the, on the 28th when Billy Spears, at this point, uh, had come out of the audience and kind of distracted him, and uh, he made a fool of himself and clumsy and everything else and uh, actually cost his team the win. So 
Spears and his mom's money had made the assassin's man a new rich team, and the three of them had attacked Rip Tyler on the TV six days before this match, and they bloodied him up pretty badly. So on this night, Spears was in their corner, the assassins. He was their new manager, and they were facing the Gibson brothers, who were wearing the new belts. Uh, Rip Tyler was nowhere to be seen. So it was another wild match between these four, which were having great matches. The assassin team was great, and so were the Gibson boys. And all four men were in the ring at the same time toward the end of it. The building was on its feet wild that night. Fans were really, really into it. And this time, it was Rip Tyler's turn to be hiding in the crowd, like Billy Spears had done the week before. So Billy Spears was on the floor uh, while this four all four men were in the ring, and he was about to trip one of the Gibson brothers, and all of a sudden, Tyler appears. He's still bandaged up from the six days earlier. where They busted him pretty good, and uh, and he kind of appeared from out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Spears never sees him. He comes from behind Spears, and he nails him, and uh, Spears went down, and then Tyler reached in, and instead of Spears, who was going to snatch one of the Gibson's feet, pull him out and try to get a win, Tyler reached in and snatched one of the assassin's legs, and Robert Gibson landed on top of him, and he got the three count. So Spears recovered from the dirt floor and uh, pretty quickly took something from his pocket, put it on his hand. Video of this showed it very clearly <laughs> on the TV, and he started in on Rip Tyler, man, on the outside of the ring. Well, Tyler started bleeding again, and uh, the assassin jumped out of the ring to help Spears finish off their former manager. And they, I think they were just going to try to put him away. This would be the end of it. Hmm. And uh, so the Gibson boys were still in the ring celebrating their win. And they were about to leave. And they saw this going on. Three men down there for the second time in six days beating up one guy, Rip Tyler. <laughs> so they jumped out of the ring on the back of the assassins. And, boy, the building exploded. And, uh, and the six of them, they fought their way. Uh, to the assassin's dressing room on the back side of that huge Houston County Farm Center building. <laughs> you know, on the, as you came in the back door back there, you know, and fans were all around them, man. I mean, this fight continued. They went out into the dirt floor there behind ringside in the main part of the building. I didn't think it was going to get over. So, and when it was finally over, the assassins and spears, they got into the dressing room. I was right there watching their backs. And so was David Schultz and Eddie Mansfield. They were there, mm -hmm. too, because we had already <laughs> experienced some riots, and we were going to be there to take care of each other. Right. So, <laughs> man, I, I was really encouraged that night by the heat that, that this team had, man, by just getting a new manager, you know, how in the heck did it change their, their uh, ability and their power to draw money was pretty amazing, man. So the main event for this night was the Gulf Coast Singles Championship, Bob Armstrong. And uh, he'd been undefeated since winning the belt on the second night that we ever ran a Southeastern show in Dothan. And I was the guy to meet him on that night. We had a very good match, man, in front of a crowd that was really into it. Dothan, you, you've been there, Dave, and you know what that town's all about. <laughs> uh, those fans could get crazy. And, uh, and, and they had uh, they'd been for... They've been crazy for every match that night, just about. So Bob got yeah. me, got a kind of a slick, unexpected win, uh, but he gave me most of the match so that I had a whole lot of heat coming out of it. And uh, 
He was so over the fans, uh, we almost carried him to the dressing room. Gosh, <laughs> they fought around him as a mob. Wow. You know? And I stood in the ring kind of like a dummy and watched him go to the dressing room. And then when I got out, they decided they wanted me. You know, <laughs> I'd lost the match. You know, I mean, I hadn't even won. So, you know, I, I realized, man, the heels, we were getting some real heat at that <laughs> point, man. <laughs> and, uh, and the fans were ready to fight. Three different sets of heels that night. They wanted to get oh. Schultz. They wanted to get me. They wanted mm. to get the assassin. When you say they wanted to get you, uh, to, to encourage you? Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I don't think they were going to encourage me, no. Uh, to to yeah. destroy me, maybe, yeah. but not encourage yeah. me. I, I've, I know those crowds. <laughs> All right. So not the first time that that had happened in the building. I'd seen it before. So in attendance, how did you do? Because I know you had a lot on the line. And you were moving up a little bit every week. Well, we were up again, man. Gosh, it was great. Uh, it was only 100 people. Uh, but we went up to 2,100. And the entire crew, man, And when I got the figure, I told the guys in the dressing room, and I'm sure Bob did the same thing in his dressing room, uh, what the figure was. And the guys were just celebrating this small 2,000 crowd. I mean, you know <laughs> It wasn't like it's a big deal in a way, but it was a big deal because we were struggling from the bottom up and it kept growing. So uh, I wasn't going to be on the next dozing cart uh, or the TV the next day. Mm -hmm. I got on a plane early the next morning. I uh, flew from Knoxville uh, through Atlanta on into uh, through, uh, you know, bound for Knoxville. I flew into Atlanta and on to Knoxville. And about the same time I was boarding a plane in Dothan that was going to take me to Atlanta. And then on the Knoxville, Don Carson was boarding a plane in Knoxville on his way to Dothan hmm. uh, because hmm. he's going to basically be taking my spot on this TV, this, this next TV. So uh, I'm going to be on the Gulf Coast uh, TV that day. Uh, uh, he, Carson's uh, going to be on the TV that day and, uh, and he'll be in Dothan and he's going to be there uh, six days later to be wrestling uh, Bob Armstrong on the same night that I'm going to be in Knoxville wrestling Harley Race mm -hmm. for the world title. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, talking busy. So you were kind of busy with all kinds of things to take care of. Not even taking into consideration the flying back and forth, but it was a great idea. I think that was pretty cool to send Don Carson to replace you in Dothan because Don Carson was so well-known and you talk about heat. He could produce some heat in the Dothan area as well. He was good in Knoxville. He was equally good down in the Dothan area. Okay, so where to now? Well, to next Friday night's card, man, on May 5th, 1978, down there in the southeastern Gulf Coast. And uh, we had some things going in Dothan, man. Uh, and, and we had created some momentum for the future and maybe the rest of the territory. And hopefully, man, some of these new cities that we were about to open in this one, we're going to talk about a few of them, uh, are going to be like Dothan and, and start to grow pretty quickly and, uh, and come from being a dead territory to one that's got some life. In fact, uh, later on, before the end of this summer, it's going to be darn near record setting. So, so the first Dothan match on May the 5th, 1978, was a return match from the week before. Mike Stallings had wrestled Eddie Mansfield to a 20-minute time limit the week before, and this time it was going to be a 30-minute time limit match. Uh, the second match 
on this card was going to be the Mass Pro, Tarzan Baxter, against another big name, the intern. So it's two masked men, both wearing white masks in the second event. The third match mm -hmm. was Charlie Cook and David Schultz. And after they fought all over the building the week before, they're going to be confined to the ring by the wrestlers surrounding it. It's going to be a lumberjack match. The fourth match was a new one. And for, for old Gulf Coast fans, they had never seen one of these. I don't believe it was a six-man elimination tag match. It involved the same six wrestlers who had almost caused the riot the week before. And the rules uh, for the match would begin with uh, three men on each team in the ring. And when a man was defeated, he had to go to the dressing room. And the match continued until all the wrestlers on one team had been defeated. So uh, this kind of match, man, had lots of twists and turns in it. Uh, anything pretty much could happen. And then it was... Uh, in this match was going to be the Gibson brothers, mm -hmm. Ricky and Robert, mm -hmm. and they're going to partner up with Rip Tyler, who uh, has lost his team and a whole lot of blood to, this, <laughs> to those three guys. <laughs> and they're going to be wrestling against the assassin, Billy Spears. Hey, that's a pretty cool match, in my opinion. I, I've seen them before. You never know what, what could potentially happen. And it could easily be one man ending up against three. So how about the main event? What did you have there? Well, man, in the main event, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, old Gulf Coast champion Bob Armstrong, <laughs> was going to defend his belt against a great heel, man, in my uh, just, uh, A guy that had not been there in that part of the country for years, but they would never forget him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, wow, Don Carson is yeah. going to be going up against Bob Armstrong. <laughs> For the belt in the main event. Yeah, just a little bit of professional jealousy in your voice right there, Stud. Okay, but that's <laughs> that is that's a really good card for Dothan, Alabama, anytime. So what happened on the TV six days earlier? Because that's how it goes in Dothan. The TV show is on at that point was on uh, Saturday afternoon, and then the wrestling was happening the next Friday night. So six days earlier, when you were not there, but you were on the Knoxville TV, and Don Carson was on the Dothan TV, quite a swap, 500 miles apart. Remember, it was the first week of the May ratings month. Oh, man, I'm not going to forget that day. <laughs> Tell me, man. Uh, it, it was going to be the very first rating month for Southeastern Gulf Coast on all the stations in the entire territory. This is the first time you got numbers. And I intended, man, to put some numbers on there. Uh, so... And, and then I had an ace in the hole, Dave, on this one for this TV. Uh, Southeastern Gulf Coast, uh, this guy is going to affect not just the TV, he's going to affect the entire future of the company. So in addition to the show, which is going to have a Gulf Coast championship match with Bob Armstrong in it, uh, it's going to have a six-man elimination tag on TV. Uh, and then the big surprise was Gordon Soley who I had made a deal with to add him as a second commentator was going to be on the show for the first time ever. So he mm. started on the first day of the first ratings month for <laughs> Southeastern Gulf Coast. <laughs> wow. So you get Gordon Soley, the Florida and Atlanta territory commentator seen around the world every week on WTBS, Ted Turner's satellite station to do. So Gordon does the Southeastern Gulf Coast show with Charlie Platt? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yes, man. I, I'm put, I'm I'm pulling out all the stops. Uh, I certainly did. I got Gordon Sully, man, to come in there and work with Charlie. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> by doing that, I added instant credibility to the TV show and the territory as well. Uh, Charlie opened the show as usual. Uh, this is what Bob told me because I wasn't there that day to see it. I wish I had been. Mm -hmm. But uh, Bob said Charlie opened the show as usual, and then he introduced the second commentator, the new commentator. And he said uh, when Gordon Soley walked out of that door and went to the set, he said that studio went nuts. You know, and uh, everybody <laughs> said recognized who he was. Yeah. And, uh, he, and he said, you know, and, and, and it put – what it did is it put our TV show in a class with anybody's show in the country, man, or the world. For that Absolutely. Matter. Yeah. Two tremendous commentators on this show. So uh, Bob Armstrong told me the next Sunday night in Pensacola after I flew there from Knoxville, uh, after I finished the TV, I had to fly back in to wrestle Sunday night in, in Pensacola, Florida. And after I got there, I was talking with Bob about the show and he said, what a great show it was. And he told me how over Gordon Sully was. He said, it, and he said, Ron, the most amazing part of all of it is he said, who, who do you think got blown away the most by Gordon Sully showing up to do the show out of nowhere? And I asked him who, and he said, the wrestlers, all of them. He said, they were like, wow, Ron got Gordon Sully doing the show too. So the six-man elimination tag opened this Dothan show, and it had all the stars in it. It wasn't just a three good guys against three jobbers. It was the Assassins and Eddie Mansfield against Charlie Cook and the Gibson brothers on TV. And they had a great elimination match. In fact, it lasted the first and the second segments of the show. It lasted for almost 30 minutes. Uh, sometimes those shows could go an hour those type of matches. So, and then Don Carson joined uh, Charlie Platt and Gordon Sully for the personality profile. And uh, Bob said uh, Carson was still over and he had good eat, man. He said, as soon as he walked out in the studio, he said, that place went crazy. Oh my God, there's that, that punky Carson again, I can imagine. So, uh, so Carson, uh, you know, because he's on the profile and he's got both Gordon on one side and Charlie Platt on the other, uh, right off the bat, I'll, uh, what Don Carson was all about, he, he says right to him right away, he says, uh, I got to see this new championship belt that I'm going to be wrestling for. You know, and he says, uh, if I don't like it and I don't get to see it, he says, I'm not going to show up. <laughs> Armstrong brought the belt out of the dressing room, and he <laughs> handed it to Carson right there on the profile. So Carson held the belt, and uh, then he told Platt and Sully, he said, uh, he looked at it, and he says, okay, you know, it's a pretty nice belt. You know, he says, I'll, 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 I'll wrestle him. I'll show up, you know. So uh, then he was going to tuck it underneath his arm like he's going to keep it, and Bob snatched it out of his hands, and he went back to the dressing room with it. So in the third segment of the show, David Schultz, who's starting to get some heat, man. Uh, he watched the video of his match the night before with Charlie Cook, the one where they fought all over the building. And uh, later, Bob described Schultz, uh, after he watched the video, which really should have got him over enough, he said Schultz just absolutely destroyed a job boy. 
goes, wow. <laughs> I thought he was going to kill the guy, you know. And then he said, uh, and then he said uh, he did a great interview. Charlie Cook did a great interview. Uh, they're going at it uh, in a lumberjack match. So last match on the TV was Bob Armstrong defending the Gulf Coast Championship on television. Uh, television, a big six-man tag to start the show, a big uh, championship match on the end. And another Gulf Coast star of the past is going to be wrestling Armstrong. No no uh, jabroni, no job boy, Eddie Sullivan. Pretty good guy. And uh, so Bob wore the, his championship belt into the ring, and then when he took it off, he left it sitting in the corner uh, underneath the ropes there. And he and Sullivan uh, had a great match. And then Bob was about to finish Sullivan off. And Don Carson uh, came out of the dressing room. And you've been in that studio there. It's kind of small. Uh, you know, it's not too far from the ring when you exit from the dressing room. Right. And he went right straight to Bob Armstrong's corner. Mm-hmm. Bob Armstrong had a sleeper hold on uh, Eddie Sullivan. And Carson went over and grabbed his belt and started to go back in the dressing room with it. So Bob turned loose of his sleeper hold on Sullivan, and he went over to where Carson was going to have to walk past him, and he bent down uh, through the ropes, and he reached out to get the belt. Well, Carson saw him coming, I guess, and uh, he was ready, and he just slammed that belt <laughs> right into Bob's face, man. <laughs> and uh, so Bob went down man, in the ring, and, and he got cut. He got a cut open, and he was bleeding. So... Uh, uh, then, but Bob, knowing Bob and the fighter he was, you know, and the Carson's kind of standing there watching and laughing about it. Uh, and then when Carson turned to walk away with the, still had the belt, uh, Bob reached through the ropes and he got his hands on him, man. So the referee started ringing the bell for the disqualification. Obviously, he's going to disqualify the guy that's wrestling Armstrong, you know, Sullivan, uh, because he's got all this outside interference going on. And then, uh, Sullivan got up. He had managed to get his, his stuff back together again, and he grabbed Bob from behind. And then Carson jumped up on the apron and with the belt again. And now, now he took the big swing, man. He's going to open him up big time. And uh, Bob ducked. And uh, Carson hit Sullivan with the belt. And then uh, hmm. Bob, uh, Bob reached and grabbed Don Carson, who's standing on the apron, right? And he's got the belt. Bob reached and grabbed him by his, he had those, he wore those uh, three-piece suits back in those days. And uh, he grabbed him by his coat and he flung him over the top rope into the ring. The studio crowd exploded, man. They were like, and then uh, Carson and Sullivan, man, they just slid out real quick before he could get to him. But he did get his belt back. So Bob did his interview on the end of the show. He said he was still bleeding. And Carson did his interview from another studio. All right, so that's that's an that's a really great TV show. I can only I can hear the fans because you're right. The studio is small, and it was quite a noise that was coming out of there when Bob got Carson in the ring. So what what happened six nights later though in Dothan? Well, Andy Mansfield and Mike Stallings they got the evening off to a great start. They had wrestled to a 20-minute time limit the week before, and this one was 30 minutes, and they still didn't have a winner. So they went 20 minutes last week, 30 minutes this time. And in the Battle of the White Mask, I call it, the pro Tarzan Baxter beat the intern. Uh, Charlie Cook and David Schultz kind of stole the show, man. Uh, 
according to what Bob told me, you know, he said, wow, it was hard to follow that. He said they both went out on the dirt floor of the building several times, and then the lumberjacks threw them back into the ring. And in the end, it was kind of the referee that got, got it on the chin, basically. Uh, he stopped the match uh, and called it a no contest after both of them had knocked him down. Uh, and then they fought again like they had the week before out into the crowd and around the building. So uh, it was a no contest decision, and uh, Bob and I talked about it. We threw him in a Texas death match the next time, man. That was going <laughs> to give everybody the opportunity to not get disqualified and to go on and do whatever the heck you wanted to do. Uh, so the fans uh, were very happy, man, with the six-man tag elimination match with the Gibsons and, and uh, Rip Tyler uh, against the um, Assassins and Billy Spears. And they were happy because, uh, wow, <laughs> they, they totally eliminated the entire Assassins and Billy Spears team, and they didn't lose a member of their own team. So all three, the assassin, the, the two Assassins and Billy Spears, all got beat, and they never beat anybody on the other team. So Billy Spears got really hot about it. And after they left the ring, he went back and got the microphone. And he made a challenge. You know, he says, uh, and, you know, basically, uh, I, I'm going to put it my way, the way I thought he could think it was. Uh, uh, Billy Spears uh, challenged him to, to $10,000. It, it can't happen again. If you beat us again like that, I give you ten thousand uh, dollars, and so uh, mm. you know, basically, Billy Spears reached into his mama's pocket <laughs> for the next for the second week, and they and they they took ten thousand more and stuck it out there. For him, man. <laughs> so, so, Billy Spears is having a good time with his mama's money, man. So, so that's a ten day, you know, and these fans are all there, and they're seeing a good match and good night, and uh, wow, they they've got a challenge there, so. And that challenge, obviously, is going to be uh, – who wouldn't take that? So the main event for the Gulf Coast Championship between champion Bob Armstrong and Don Carson, it really topped off a great night of wrestling for the fans. Uh, Carson used his peanut butter glove, man, but uh, it wasn't more than Armstrong could handle. And the building exploded when Bob beat him right in the middle. He put him to sleep. <laughs> early that night way before Don's bedtime <laughs> all right man I I was not there that night but I could just see I got the vision of that with the with the bullet that's awesome all right so it sounds like another crowd building evening and I think that's what you had in mind not so much heat on the heels as nights when you were there but fans really enjoyed the big baby face wins it, it sounds like so what was the attendance for this one? Had to be had to be a little better. Well, man, the string of winning nights at the box office continued, man. Wow, we were so happy. Another, it was small. We didn't get a major, huge jump. I mean, we're building here, and it, it, you know, we're just not quite there yet. Uh, so, but another hundred fans was added. So it brought it to the total this time of twenty-two hundred from the twenty-one hundred the Friday night before. Uh, and there again, it was the biggest southeastern Gulf Coast crowd so far. So, uh, so if you added the six thousand plus fans in Knoxville that same night, Southeastern Wrestling as a company shattered the one night record for attendance with almost eight thousand five hundred fans in two cities five hundred miles apart. All right, so that's I mean that's awesome. Congratulations, Todd. 
that would have been a great night for some of the biggest wrestling companies, I mean, in the entire world. It seems like things were starting to pick up in southeastern Gulf Coast. I think you said earlier that we might hear what the other three cities down south did, attendance-wise. Well, I didn't think we would get this far, Dave, <laughs> before running out of time. So, yeah, we're going to jump on it, man. Uh, this was the first time we'd ever run four cities in the same week in southeastern Gulf Coast. Uh, the first one of the week on Sunday, April 30th, was Pensacola. It was just their second live event. The crowd was up slightly from the 900 that was there the first night. We just broke 1,000. Around 1,050 was the, the attendance that night in Pensacola. And uh, breaking that 1,000 figure was just a good number, you know, and especially considering the territory had been hurt man, so badly before we got there. Uh, happy with that. So, so we ran our first ever Panama City, Florida event. And that city received its TV signal from WTVY in Dothan. Uh, it was a small arena, former skating rink. It had been modified into a wrestling building. <laughs> and the first night, the uh, crowd was very small. Uh, actually, it was less than 500 people. It was disappointing to both Bob and I, but, but it was better than Montgomery was the first time we tried to run it, which was weeks earlier. We yeah. talked about that one. Yeah. And Montgomery's going to be running again in the next studcast. So we discussed, uh, he and I, giving the money back, but decided not to alienate the fans that came because they came to see a match, you know, and there was almost 500 of them. So we ran the event. And, uh, boy, we were both glad we did. Those fans were so excited, man. That building was electric, man. And, you know, there wasn't many people there, but, wow, they they obviously loved their wrestling. So, And it was a small arena, like I said, and, and it was going to be used until that city built a beautiful building downtown, which was years later. And uh, we ran matches weekly in Panama City in that small arena for years, and it Houses just kept growing just like everywhere else we were going. And we, for years, packed them fans to the rafters in that building. So in the next couple of months and in Studcast of the future, I think I'm going to you know, describe a, a getting knifed by a fan there in that little building. I got hit with a chair in the back of the head from behind at the same time. And uh, But just to emphasize the other side of that city and uh, – that, that city's crowds grew from that first show of 500 that night, Dave, in the little bitty old uh, mm -hmm. skating rink building yeah. to more than 5,000 when we got into the new downtown building. Wow. So 500 to 5,000, wow, it's a, that's, a, that's a jump. So by the time, you know, wrestling had exploded, pretty much by that period, wrestling had exploded pretty much south of uh, you know, when that when they we put five thousand in that building in Panama City, mm -hmm. Southeastern was on fire, and you know, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, all the way back uh, into Knoxville, man, uh, where they had to close the doors to the wrestling fans in 1982. So uh, you know, it's a it's a lot of things going on, man, in this in that whole whole area from the Gulf Coast all the way almost to Ohio. Well, I tell you what, you've had a, an amazing life. You've, you've been there, done that. A lot of fascinating things that have been in your background and still in your future, no doubt. You just mentioned two things, by the way, back to back that I never knew about you. Getting cut in a riot and what happened to close down wrestling in Knoxville in the early 80s. 
there was one more city that uh, that week that ran too. What about that? Yep, you sure you're right, man. Uh, New Brockton, yeah, New Brockton, Alabama, yeah, just outside Dothan. We'd been running it every Saturday night for several weeks. Uh, it was the fir- first town other than Dothan that we ran. So, and its crowds had grown, and yeah. it it started out with about 500 the first night there. It had grown by this town to more than a thousand people in little New Brockton. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. those fans there really love their wrestling too, and uh, yeah. So the four cities total attendance that week was just over 4,500. But wow, man, those numbers were going to explode in the next two years. That's unbelievable what the growth is going to be. Man, and the folks in that part of Southeast Alabama just just supported wrestling maybe like no other market. I mean, it's amazing what you had going in Knoxville, but then what happened in the Dothan area, and so many years it was called a hotbed of wrestling and there is no doubt about that all right i can't wait stud this ride is going to be so fascinating as we move forward sorry everybody but well i think it happened we ran out of time so no learning tree question this week i'm so ashamed of you stud i just i don't know what we're going to do with you did my best my man i don't think we'll get this far i know all right, but listen on Facebook to become friends with Ron. Please go to the Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud Facebook page. Like him and follow him there, and you automatically become friends with a legend. On Twitter, follow him at Ron Fuller Welch. Visit the stud on his tremendous website, tnstud.com. That's tnstud.com. You'll find great videos, a photo gallery, every stud cast ever done. 43 super studcaster there shop the stud store all kinds of souvenirs personally autographed photos the classic continental video five pack his tennessee stud mask they are replicas and it's one of the coolest things on that website and his thrilling lion novel brutus and you can even get it autographed southeastern rewind on youtube is where much of what the stud is famous for is displayed so you can find a lot of stuff there but the place you can find everything now that ron has ever done is gonna be doing and will do in the future and it'll always be there the amazing streaming channel classiccontinentalwrestling.com it's all there and it always will be there i think that is so cool it is just going to be an archive of old school wrestling and ron is at the center of all of it New Superstars of the Past Series number two about Martin Farmer Burns will be on there this week, along with new stud stories and continental TV shows. The Stars of the Sports Series with Andre the Giant, Mankind Mick Foley, and now legendary Ron Wright. Documentaries of Wildcat Wendell Cooley and the new world premiere of Tony Anthony's Dirty White Boy, plus a tremendous two-hour special of the Mongolian Stomper matches. More than four hours of Southeastern matches are now on there. And coming soon, the original classic Southeastern TV shows and much more. Subscribe now at ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. Only $4.99 per month or $39.99 per year. It is fast becoming the best old school streaming site on the entire planet don't miss this special offer right now for a limited time only get a free one-week trial on classic continental wrestling.com 
These stud casts are so good, Ron. I am digging this two market deal. I don't know how you're handling it, but listen, it's filled with historic information that every wrestling fan should should hear. So I'm anxious to know where we ride next week. Well, in southeastern Knoxville, we're going to focus on May the 12th, 1978, that Knoxville card. Uh, it's a triple main event card. It's going to be my last appearance of the summer of 1978 in Knoxville. A classic match uh, uh, is going to be on that one with two superstars, Olympian Bob Ruth as a babyface against Hall of Famer Mid-South Junkyard Dog Sylvester Ritter. Uh, what a match that's going to be. And, uh, and we're going to find out what was on the TV that promoted that card and the results of the matches and the attendance. And then we're going to ride south, man, into southeastern Gulf Coast as it continues to grow in the into the first six-city week in its history. We're going to run six cities for the first time ever. Uh, we're going to become a bona fide real territory there. So Mobile, Alabama is going to finally open. It's going to open with a riot and me getting a trip to the jail. Um, Montgomery is back on the uh -huh. schedule. <laughs> and hopefully this time it has enough fans to run the event. Uh, we're going to focus on May the 12th, Dothan's card. That will we'll, uh, follow the entire territory and, and uh, that we're going to send that uh, TV and uh, that same card around the entire territory. And we're going to talk about why we were able to do that and how it worked. And then we're going to discuss the TVs that promote the Dothan, Dothan show. Uh, the results of the Dothan matches and uh, other spotlighted cities and get the attendance for all six of the cities in that territory next week. So everybody uh, about not uh, getting, sorry about not getting to the learning tree question this week. I really am, you know, and uh, we're just, uh, we've got so much going on, uh, but uh, we're going to make our best to push to get to it next week for sure. So uh, thanks everybody for joining us again. Uh, we hope, man, you all enjoyed this. And uh, please tell your friends about us and take care of yourselves and others and make God bless us all. Hey, great job again, Stud. Another exciting week for Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains. I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This Studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.